Welcome to the second Big Brother Canada 3 eviction recap episode of the UR Team Number podcast, the Yattencast, the Seven Deadly Sins edition. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as ever is Canadian Pride with a P, Logan Saunders. Evening. And Australian Roth, Ben Powell. Howdy. Uh, you can tweet us using the hashtag Yattencast, or email us at yattencast at gmail.com. So, did we enjoy this week? Somewhat? N- <laughs> no. <laughs> now, going back in tradition, has this has the first few weeks of Big Brother Canada ever been good? Uh, no, but it is also fun to podcast about. So no, no. I, I mean, I'm, no. I'm enjoying podcasting about this in the same way that I mean that I enjoyed podcasting about the first few weeks of Amazing Race 24 before you know it kept being terrible. Because it's kind of hilarious, some of the really oblivious plays. And you know that I'm not going to be particularly kind to Cindy with the utterly terrible move that she made to play herself out of the game. But I'm, I'm not sure it's the worst thing anyone's done this week, but it's up there. Alright, so should we, go week, should we go from the top of the week? I suppose we shall start with the head of household competition. So, as we found out at the end of the uh, last week, house guests must stand on tiny ledges adjusted for their measurements, in inverted commas, uh, for as long as possible. After 15 minutes, the ropes they had been provided with to keep them up would be removed. Uh, Big Brother would also start raining on the house guests after the third person drops out. After 10 drop, uh, house guests would be instructed to just use one of the ledges. The last person standing wins head of household. Was it any surprise that Brittany was the first person out? A little bit, yeah. Like models have models have balance. I mean, compared to like Greg, Greg or however you pronounce his name, who's all up, all like upper, upper body strength, and people like him, it's like, well, she had a little bit of advantage over people like him, but you know, I guess not. Well, in theory, at least she had an advantage, but I guess it's not in reality. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't shock me that she was first out. Really, I mean, Kevin was completely transparent with his jumping down to. Come for her. And it's kind of hilarious how much that caught up to him. Uh, but it was Brittany, then Kevin, then Zach. Zach's throwing out of the challenge was a bit more subtle than Kevin's. At least Zach and uh, Jordan had a plan as to exactly when to throw it, as opposed to Kevin just being ultra transparent about it and trying to add favor in front of everybody in the house. Logan, how dare you compliment Jordan for anything? Gah. It's my one time of the week. Everything else will be negative towards Jordan, but uh, he, this is the one time where I'll give him credit for much of anything. <laughs> then we had Godfrey, uh, Bruno, Jordan, Nea, and Johnny, and they were the eight people who got to play in the Have Not competition. Also, going back to last week, it doesn't look like Bruno does have nipple piercings, Logan. Well, mystery solved. At least there's one mystery in one less mystery in the Big Brother Canada house. It was a fifty-fifty shot. It really could have gone either way. Luckily, my uh, Big Brother Canada points uh, to get myself up to copper uh, weren't in play here. That would have been a, a prediction that I would have lost at. But if we're supposed to expect the unexpected, what what unexpected can we expect now? I mean, the biggest mystery for me is what the hell was that nomination board? But we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. Dramatic appeal. Dramatic effect. I was sat there just going, what the actual? Who thought this was a good idea? I did. 
It looks pretty neat. Uh, it's not the best production design we've ever seen in Big Brother Canada. Probably in the top five, but still. I mean, that's, that's just considering that a lot of the production, production, you know, decisions have been not so, not so well thought out. But that's just part of its charm. And then we had uh, Sarah dropping in ninth, then Greg in tenth, uh, Willow, Ashley, Pilar, and then the final two, Cindy versus Bobby. <laughs> Well, did anyone actually, like, you know, expect Cindy would be a challenge-based? No, in summary. But also, I like the fact that they kept calling her a beauty queen rather than, you know, her actual job, which is assistant cruise director. Well, they got, well, like, since it's, like, the 2010s, you need to have at least one beauty queen every season, regardless of the actual actual occupancy of the job, I guess. Yeah, at least Amazing Race uh, Canada 2 actually had... Suki be the uh, the beauty queen, but that wasn't what she was known for. Before or after race, that wasn't what she was known for. Definitely after. Before, it was probably for her and Jinder appearing slightly irritating. And then, you know, being the best team ever. I liked that when Bobby eventually won HOH, that the first thing we hear from him is quoting a, a Run DMC, Run DMC uh, lyrics, of all things. Care to explain? Well, when he said, uh, when he says, uh, "Whose house? Uh, Bob's house." That was an indirect refer. That was a very direct reference to Run DMC, which is definitely a song that would be uh, uh, recognizable for people in their late twenties that still live in their parents' basement. I know two Run DMC songs. It's tricky, and his cover of "Cats in the Cradle." Because I am a millennial, I think millennial. That's probably the right term for me. So. The bottom eight from the uh, Head of Household competition then have to face a have not competition, which was a post-apocalyptic slop wasteland. It's really a high-budget challenge for a have-not competition. They really went all out with the design there, amongst many other designs for uh, things throughout the house so far this season. Global TV is like one of the main channels of Canada, right? Pretty much number one, yeah. Well, that's where that's what Survivor airs on in shows like Twenty Four. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much the biggest station in the country. With with great with great budget jumps comes great challenge designs, I guess. Yeah, I mean they, st- they still can't put the sideshow on uh, on global, but we'll let them off. What about the Show Me app? Did you guys get to see the Show Me app in uh, your uh, in your episode feeds? I did not. No. Nope. Oh, okay. Because this was this was in the actual episode itself where. Uh, when Bobby is in the HOH room and showing off all the stuff that he got, uh, oh, one of the yeah, things yeah. is the Show Me app, which is pretty much the up and coming version of to uh, uh, counter Netflix here. I think uh, I think something like The Wire is on Show Me or something like that, and uh, and all the house guests were uh, raving about. And I guess the reward for the HOH is that they get to access. I think. One TV show and one movie per week, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's what the reward is. And I knew as soon as they saw the Show Me logo that I'm thinking, oh, I have a feeling there's going to be a promotion coming up here. And sure enough, everybody says, oh, now I just, I want the Show Me app more than the actual HOH itself. I think uh, in the episode they said it was one movie or one TV show, in addition to the uh, to the music that they get provided with, which we didn't find out for Bobby, actually. Did you occasionally tell us what what it is? <laughs> Probably Run DMC, Run DMC or uh, Spoonie G. Hopefully, it was something deeply inappropriate. We have a uh, we have like something similar to Show Me in Australia. It's, I think it's called Presco or Espresso. It's basically the counter to Netflix, but nobody's really heard of it. Isn't Netflix now launching in Australia? After I mocked Australia about it a couple of weeks ago. 
Well, yeah, in the same way that you can buy stuff off, off Amazon in Australia. Very true. At least you're getting House of Cards now. It could be worse. Yeah, at least we're getting a show that nobody's heard of. Listen, I've heard of both the UK and US versions. And I did watch the UK version before it uh, actually was announced that they were doing the American one. Mm. So some kind of you know, smug about that. You know what's also hilarious about the HOH uh, uh, gift is that they get crunchy chocolate bars. And my cousin from the States, whenever she is here, she always has like a binge on crunchy chocolate bars. So I find it hilarious that they try to make it as Canadian as possible by having crunchy chocolates within within the reward there for HOH. I think they could have made it more Canadian. Tim Hortons. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, if I was uh, I was HOH in the Big Brother Canada house, there would be a Tim Hortons machine of some description. Where are my Timbits? Rupert <sighs> as HOH in Big Brother Canada. Not good. I have no idea what I have no idea what any of these references mean. Sorry, not Canadian or not. Never been to Canada. You don't know what Rupert is. No, I don't know what a Tim Hortons is. Or a that's not good. Tim Horton is one of many former Canadian uh, ice hockey players who then just decided to become a businessman and is now Canada's leading or is now Canada's number one coffee brand by an absolute mile, and you know, awesome by about fifty miles. As Logan will attest, I love Tim Hortons. But yeah, it's something like 70% market share in Canada. It is a ridiculous amount. Anyway, enough about chocolate. Uh, in the Have Not Competition, individually house guests must run across a balance beam above a pit of slot. They have to cross a beam and fill buckets with the slot and place them on five spots on their beam. At any point, they can use dodgeballs to try and send their opponent's buckets into the slot pit, in which case the opponent would have to jump in and find their buckets and fill it back up before continuing. The first person to get five buckets and cross the beam is a have for the week in each matchup. I like that the fact that they did split them into two teams of four and then said you're still doing this individually. That competition would irritate the hell out of me. Like I can I would not be able to stand any any like competition where someone else can interfere with my work. I'd probably like I'd probably like deck them. <laughs> yeah. Throw the throw the dodgeball at their head rather than the buckets. The losers have to sleep in the have not room, which this year is furnished with concrete and dirty mattresses. There are also sensors in the have not room which set off a siren every half hour or so. And this definitely won't reveal the secret hidden in the have-not room that Arissa mentioned in the house tour in the first episode. Urine-soaked mattresses, as some race, as some uh, house guests described it. Yeah, I doubt it's urine. It's probably coffee or something. Really old coffee. Maybe for season four, they should just have have a sort of hoarder's room for the um, <laughs> for the have-not room. Just have like this is my dirty pan. Make an ent- make an entire tower out of um, those little things that hold cards in in uh, flower. Flower gifts, or an enti- or, an enti- or several boxes full of uh, used toothpicks. Yes, Razor Ramon's house, or maybe a cat carcass. Okay, that's going a bit too far. <laughs> well, that's what happens in horror houses; they get crushed on the stuff. <laughs> he wants to see the have not room. Oh God, why is there a cat hanging up? No, I mean, like, if, if, I mean, like, like, you just find it under one of the mattresses. It's not like hanging up. It's not like a, it's not a serial killer room. It's like a hoarder room. <laughs> Yeah, so season five can be a kind of Dexter style laboratory. Uh, Dexter, <laughs> kind of <laughs> no, wrong show, <laughs> wrong Dexter. Uh, right. you know what I mean. A Dexter style murder area. I don't remember that on Cartoon Network. <laughs> I do. Cartoon Network After Dark. Bruno attributed his victory to his awesome soccer skills, but Jordan was just blatantly throwing it. Yeah. I do like it when, when people are so proud of winning the competition that it's just like, yeah, I threw it, be right. I got tired of people talking about throwing competitions all the time. So what? 
Well, it's a good way. A good way to throw a competition. Uh, it's a good thing to do because it means you don't get any blood on your hands and nobody throws you under the bus and put a big target on your back. But like, I don't, I, I don't mind if people do throw competitions. I just don't like all the, you know, all the show showing show, you know, people showing up about it. Like, um, I, I threw that competition so I appear not to be a huge threat, so I don't have to get blood on my hands, so there won't be a huge target on my back. Aren't I the best player ever for coming up with this completely new and unique strategy that nobody else has ever thought of in the history of Big Brother? Funny thing with Bobby is that he must he must have the record for saying the phrase "no blood on my hands" out of any contestant in any season of Big Brother. He must have said it at least. Feels like every other few notes was me writing down. Oh, Bobby says no blood on my hands again, and that's for three consecutive episodes until his uh, reign as uh, head of household uh, comes to an end at the end of the week. Yeah, Bobby is not going to be winning. I don't think. Question: Is the is the whole the, the head of ha- the first head of household refusing to do anything to better their game? Is that like a Thing that's always happening in Big Brother US, or is it just like a product of the Grodner era? Like the first time I really remember, remember the first time I really remember it happening was with Big Brother Eight when you know the blatant oh I'll nominate the two people, two people I'll nominate the two people who fell off the head of household competition first. That was like, and it's been like that ever since, really, hasn't it? Big Brother Ten, I know they made a huge move with trying to get rid of the really aggressive player uh, right off the bat. Uh, yeah, Brian, who was uh, Dan Giesling's. Uh, Dan Giesling was Brian's sidekick for the first week, and Dan was pretty much supposed to go in week two of Big Brother Ten because of that. But uh, yeah, they went after Brian after the power of veto ceremony because he was playing too aggressive. So I guess that's been the quote-unquote biggest move made in the first week when it comes to nominations. Otherwise, yeah, it's probably pretty tame, I would say. I don't remember it happening in... Um, in fact, it didn't happen in Big Brother 12 either, because it was Brendan versus, Re- Brendan versus Rachel originally, and then they put Annie up because they thought she was the saboteur. Thought? Or pretty much outright told she was the saboteur. <laughs> yeah, worst twist in Big Brother history, but still. Apart from maybe the pairs. I don't think it always happened in Big Brother US. It just... Occasionally happens. It's, it's happened. happened a, it's happened a lot. Away. It's happened a lot, lot recently. Like um, you know, th- uh, fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen all had that happen. But the only the only reason it didn't it didn't actually outright result in that in fifteen was because of the uh, because of MVP, which is like one of the saving graces of that season. One of the few. Still better than sixteen. Well, yeah, I gave them both. I remember. That just means you're weak. No, it means I have better things to do than care. But you, you but you podcast about the show. Yeah, Sorry, at, least, at least this season is better than both of those have started. At least I like some of this cast. Um, nah, I I like I like um. So far, I only really like three people left in the house so far, which is probably less than I did like from fifteen at this point. Like from fifteen, yeah, from fifteen, you had Helen, Jesse, Candace, Alyssa, uh, Judd was still good, uh, Howard, um, yeah, that's basically it. But still, but like you know, my all my the only people I'm I really care about their fate in the game so far is you know Sarah, Brittany, and and Neha. Not Godfrey. Not Godfrey. 
I wish I cared for Godfrey, but like they're not giving him any screen time. Plus, he's on the side of the worst people, kind of. So, should we talk about the um, the have not conversation? I think we pretty much did. I believe. Was there anything else any, either of you wanted to add regarding the like Kevin throwing it, but still winning his round? And I think that was pretty much it. I did find it hilarious that the two teams that they split into, all the red team won and all the blue team lost anyway. Which was Jordan, or not not Jordan, um, was it, oh yeah, Jordan, Brittany, Godfrey, and Neha, all on slop, after even though Neha got one of Johnny's targets. Yeah, because jo- Johnny was faster. There was a moment where one of the buckles was like, at the camera angle, it was really close to Bobby's head, so when... I think it was Johnny, so it looked like it looked like he threw it at, at Bobby's head, and it looked like a hit, but it actually hit the bucket. And Bobby Who's just react, head? Reacted. Bobby's head. Well, Kevin was uh, actively trying to hit Bobby, though. Kevin was just like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to throw it at Bobby. It's fun." I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if it was Kevin or something. I know it was like one of the guys aiming at one of the girls. Oh, well, who cares? It, it was definitely Kevin throwing uh, the balls at Bobby. Uh, so nominations were next. Yes. After 20 minutes of Kevin's social game being shown, and Bobby not fake getting cell phone, and uh, fake cell phone putting in Cindy Ashley and Pilar's numbers, uh, so we can just skip over that. And then and the also, fake fortress. We need to talk about the um, the setup for the nominations because they've made it a little bit complicated. But we missed like 10 minutes of Bobby talking about how he's not going to get blood on his hands. And Bruno snoring, one of the loudest snores we've heard in uh, Brother Canada history. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that gets people nominated as well occasionally. He snores. I believe that's a Rick Nelson quote regarding Albert from Survivor South Pacific. You mean the Rick Nelson quote? The Rick Nelson quote besides saying yee-haw while uh, throwing his hat up into the air. Uh, Survivor South Pacific, ugh. Yay, Sophie! (laughs) Yeah, at least we got Sophie. Anyways, nominations? So, in nominations now, the HOH goes into the vault and creates a shortlist of four people on a giant touchscreen. Uh, they then have to drag two of the four people from the uh, shortlist into the nomination slots. Once they leave the vault, they have, have to take the poll that the touchscreen unlocked to take that to the nomination board. Once they pull a handle, it reveals the first of their nominations, and then they have to do the same for the second one. I like the setup for that. Like, it's it's pretty... Like, it fits the whole... Um, aesthetic of a house, and I think it's it's pretty cool setup. Like it's needlessly dramatic, but you know it's Big Brother. Who cares? It's needlessly convoluted. <laughs> needlessly convoluted, needlessly dramatic. That's the name of the game. This is Big Brother. This is reality television. It's fifteen years into the game. <laughs> sixteen years into the game. Yeah, if they wanted to do something steampunk, just put gears in there and put people's keys to move along a conveyor or something. Now, I like this one. It's like it's very cyberpunkish because of the whole. Uh, I don't know the weird energy the energy tube thing that they have to plug in, and then <laughs> I just find it's I just find it so like so convoluted that it gets kind of funny and cool, especially like, with the tube. <laughs> yeah, that that massively steampunk <laughs> item, the the tube, the tube, and having to press it in there—that's what got me the most. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I didn't, I didn't mind the whole screen where they had to set up and like um, drag people over because it's like you know yeah like I can't remember who I can't remember who like the fourth of the nominations were, of the shortlist were there was Brittany Kevin Johnny and someone Cindy 
us and Dia. So the nominations were... Brittany and Kevin. Sorry, guys, you were the first two off in the competition. And you're, Kevin, you're definitely not my target. Honest. And I'm just gonna reiterate, I just got to reiterate, I'm not getting blood on my hands. Yeah, but <laughs> play, play hard for the veto, guys. Should we talk about the alliances that were uh, formed in the first episode as well? Because that went very quick. Do we have to? Chop shop. Yeah, chop shop. We can do it briefly, I think. Who's all in the chop shop? Bobby, Ashley, Willow, Greg, Bruno, and one other person. Willow? Zach. Zach, yeah. Ah. Bobby Ashley, I'm pretty sure that's the name of a professional wrestler. Probably. I called it from the I called it from the preview, didn't I? That, that Ashley would be the I'm not one I'm not like a girl girl, I prefer hanging out with the guys. She doesn't prefer hanging out with the guys, she prefers hanging out with Greg. How could anyone willingly hang out with Greg? We'll get to that why uh why that's probably the case in a little bit here. So we also had another alliance which is for some reason called Newport between uh, Jordan and Zach. Too much yeah. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Um, we had Naya and, uh, and Sarah uh, be a two-person alliance with Brittany as their third. And um, a fake alliance on Jordan's part between him and Kevin called The Fortress. In I've contrast said, I've, to The Shield. If you know anything about me, you know which one I'm automatically, automatically supporting. So <laughs> um, I'm going to guess... You'd be wrong, so be quiet. I'm going to guess, given your your professed love of Jordan and Kevin, I'm going to go The Fortress. <laughs> and definitely not Naya and uh, Sarah. Should we go on to the power of Vito? Uh, sure, why not? Can I just say uh, that I appreciate the voiceover uh, artist for these three episodes? Just, it's the most inappropriate puns I've ever heard from a voiceover on any TV show, let alone a reality show. Like, just with episode with the last episode here, saying things like, oh, teams had to go balls out for the competition, and then, uh, and, oh, Canada sent the cougar packing, and, oh, it was, uh, and uh, some more uh, later on, particularly with uh, the HOH competition, was saying that, uh, what was it, Cindy's booty was not enough to beat Bobby, just thinking, oh, they're even going with wordplay in that way? That's, this is just getting oh, ridiculous. Like Logan, if you think that's the most inappropriate like reality television thing that you've, that's on reality television, can't wait till you discover the Bad Girls Club. <laughs> I have a feeling I will not be discovering that uh, anytime soon. Dutch Mold may or may not be higher on the list than uh, than Bad Girls Club. Yeah, damn right it is. Or I Love Money. I have seen the season of I Love Money. Or Flavor of Love. Not seen any of them ones. I think if it's VH1 is its own... Uh, deviation from reality television. At least Big Brother Canada is somewhat uh, in the upper echelon uh, in terms of competitive reality TV shows. Yeah. Somewhat. VH1, VH1 was the, like, the pioneer of celeb reality, but uh, there's actually there's actually one that's like sort of really not trashy, but it's sort of really good. There's uh, this show back in 2007, I think it was, called Screen Queens. Yeah, they got like they got 10 aspiring actresses to compete for a role in the next Saw movie. Which I think it was like Six six have been released at the time. Tobin Bell, keep going. <laughs> and yeah, it was actually like um a lot less trashy than the show surrounding it would have you believe. I've seen it's, making it's... the band or a P Diddy's uh third uh attempt at a reality show. I forget what it was. It was his third attempt at a reality competition, and it was even more outrageous than making the man band. Even more outrageous than 
uh, Chappelle show's portrayal of making the band. Tobin Bell, the uh, former West Wing guest star there. Oh, I don't think I don't think that's what it's really known for right now. I think he's known for Ruthless Villain of the Saw series now. Yes, and along with 24. More famous for being in the West Wing, I'm sorry. I mainly remember from 24, I'm thinking, really? He's in Saw, he's the voice in the Saw movies? Huh. He's not just the voice, he's the bad, he's the main bad guy. But yeah, I, I do appreciate that the voiceover on Big Brother was basically, uh, was basically trying to channel his inner Alan Wood. I think there's three poker puns alone with Kevin saying, no, the gambler went all in, and then uh, I think it's, uh, oh, can can Kevin bluff his way to the top? And then I think the third one was, oh, Kevin uh, split a, split a pair of aces, or that was like the most outrageous one. Where I'm thinking that's not even a pun. You're just randomly throwing in the poker term that doesn't really have to do with poker. Splitting aces is blackjack, not poker. Oh no, that was a better one. Oh, the, the floater one. one? The was it the flush one? Yes, a toilet. He turned a, he turns a toilet flush. Into a royal flush. Now that is face palm worthy. Yeah, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he turn this toilet flush into a royal flush right before the veto? Yes, it was actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So we get to talk about probably my favorite bit of this week now. The hilarious. Ooh, girls, why don't we have a meeting in the HOH room and definitely not check around the corner to make sure the person we're talking about is not there? They are definitely the Moga Mogo tribe from Survivor All Stars, where. Uh, Kevin gets to play the role of Richard Hatch in this scenario where the three women are talking in, in uh, one room there and they fail to do a 360 check to see if there are any males around while they uh, construct their all-female alliance to uh, target a specific player. It's not even that they failed to check 360 because they just needed to check whether anyone, probably Greg, because that's all we saw of him this week, was sat on that toilet with a curtain, whether anyone was actually round there, seeing that they were slagging off the guys, or slagging off Kevin in particular. Or as the voiceover would say, checking for floaters in the bathroom, which was like, okay, okay, you can stop here. That is mm. enough. I wouldn't necessarily call it a bad move, i just call it like an unfortunate sequence of events, because like, it wasn't like they were try- it wasn't like they were just like, um, actively trying to let, hit- let Kevin know that he was a target, because that would be a bad move, but like, it's just, like, unfortunate that this awkward series of events happened the way it did. I mean, it was hilarious for TV because it was so... It was actually brilliantly edited, but there's so many better rooms in the house to do that sort of a conversation. <laughs> so many rooms in the house where you can, you know, look all around you, check there's no um, check there's no one hiding or anything. But it's a, lot suspic- it's a lot more suspicious if, like, five of the girls, like, go off to the pantry or something, isn't it? Yeah, but they thought they were the only ones in the HOH room. Why would five girls go to the HOH room on their own as well? Because everyone hangs out in the HOH room. Yeah, but no one else was there. Kevin was. Well, no one else was there that they thought. It didn't make sense anyway. Yeah, but like I said, it's not like a bad move. It's just a, it's real, it's just a really unfortunate sequence of events. But also, probably one of the things that the season is already going to be known for, which is hilarious. Mm, I'm still holding out hope for like another Ica moment. Ica-like uh, moment. Oh, I, I suspect there'll be an Ica-like moment, but uh, I I also think that when we finish talking about this season, one of the things we will remember is the girls failing to check for floaters in the bathroom. Mm. It also begins the, the start of uh, bashing on where everyone in the house just uh, bashes on Greg for uh, possibly being a jerk. Uh, we'll learn more about him throughout these next couple episodes, but this is really where it really starts, where even Kevin, who is on Greg's side, 
just says, I'm going to tell this to uh, Greg because I know he's just going to go ballistic over it. And sure enough, Greg is fired up and uh, ready to just tell everybody in the house who's uh, willing to listen. He's like a Tom. He's like a Tom or a or a Andrew from season two who just like is underedited. Hasn't got much content so far apart from, apart from like that moment onwards. So yeah, I I mean I suspect he will probably get a much bigger edit fairly soon. Because hopefully he, not. Because he does seem like the sort of character they really, really, really want to show a massive downfall for. And as soon as he starts getting targeted, they will probably show him quite a bit. I wouldn't mind that if he got his downfall, but I just find him repulsive. Oh, he's 100% going to get a downfall, I suspect. He will not make the jury. Because he's so going to get targeted fairly soon. Uh, so yeah, the Power of Veto competition. This is the competition where you get like a massive, massive uh, avalanche of bad beaver and damn puns. Oh, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I do believe that someone said that we would be getting a traditionally Canadian-themed challenge fairly soon. Oh, wait, it was Mm. me. So, yeah, Bobby drew first and got Godfrey. Then Willow got picked, Britney's choice. And obviously Kevin picked Johnny. Coincidence. Yeah, and Bobby got to to also sign the host, and he chose Jordan. Who Who got the most high fives ever for being the host of the veto competition. And also quite enjoyed all the puns, I suspect. Wasn't overkill at all. Wasn't overkill with the damn puns about the damn task and uh, house guests having to be uh, dressed up as damn beavers. Not not overkill at all. So house guests were dressed as damn beavers and must travel through a pond oh, under and over logs to pick up one of 19 logs with their coloured letters on it. They must bring them back to their dam and once they have all 19, spell out the phrase off the chomping block. Uh, inside the pond, there are predator stones, which when called out, make everyone else stand in one place for a minute while the whole bit continues. And of course, when you get all your logs and get back there, for some reason, because this is Big Brother Canada, they just spray you in the face of water. <laughs> Hypothermia for the win. Yeah, I mean, seriously, guys, what is it with the spraying people with water this season? And it sounds like the it looked like the water was ridiculously cold, like East Coast Canada type cold, just Canadian winter cold. Yes, uh, my favorite part was it's a small moment, but before the veto competition with the Johnny's uh, nine noise uh, sounded a lot like the protagonist from the video game uh, Dark Castle. With the nya, 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 nya. You mean his voice? <laughs> he, that's what he, he was trying to imitate the beaver, I thought. But it sounds uh, exactly like the protagonist from Dark Castle. So if uh, anybody wants to Google the angry video game nerd uh, Dark Castle episode, you get to hear that sound effect and it's in all of its greatness, and you will be able to immediately relate it to Johnny in the scene. I think Johnny quite enjoyed the um, the dressing up as a beaver. I think he... Him and Kevin probably got into it most. Thompson Highway would love this beaver task. Uh, he's a Canadian uh, playwright, and all he does is make bad beaver puns in some of his plays. Actually, one thing that we didn't talk about was the really, really un- sort of uncomfortable moment for Kevin in uh, the first episode where he was a in a queer sandwich, as Sarah put it. Yeah, I skipped over that in my notes, where I believe Kevin referred to himself as the meat. I think I think it was Sarah who referred to Kevin as a mate. Yes, yes, that is. Correct. I actually like I liked I liked finding that about her because um, you have, you have a, um Michael saying but Logan hasn't but uh in King of the Nerds season three uh three of the females actually admitted to being like Fifty Shades of Bi basically so like um <laughs> seventy thirty 80, yeah Heather, 20. Heather 
60-40, yeah. So it was, like, um, interesting to hear, like, Sarah explain about her, um, about her sexuality because, you know, they usually just, on, even on Canadian reality shows, they usually just cast gay, uh, gay people, straight people, and, like, very few bi people. And very few lesbians, uh, come to think of it. So it's good to, it's, like, good to, you know, have the show acknowledged and to have Sarah be sort of a bit of a representative for people who don't, like, conform to the binary sexuality that seems to be enforced by people and enforced by the media. That was very serious. I'm gonna let's uh, let's like lo- let's like laugh at Kevin or something. Yeah, you're you're welcome for me mentioning that then. Um, so yeah, the ridiculous power of veto competition. Another competition where it proves that they have got a pretty big budget. I think this year. Mm. I can't wait for like a 3D Marshall Land, multiple levels and like uh, several three dice to roll and uh, trap doors and actual slides. They are so going to be bringing back the game show um, Power of Vito from last year. And yeah, it's going to be a bigger and better one, I suspect. Actually, didn't we have the voice of Marsha in um, in the HOH competition for this week? I don't think so. I think uh, Trevor Boris did something at the very end here. I think I wrote that in my notes, because I know his voice very well. But uh... On the video for the, the HOH competition for this week coming. It was the Marsha voice, definitely. Okay, I must have missed that then. Because, yeah, Trevor Boris, yeah, he's a well-known Canadian comedian, and, yeah, he has a very distinct voice. In fact, uh, my one of my professors in university, uh, she actually uh, trained him at uh, his original job in a museum in Manitoba, and so I have a, a second-degree connection to uh, Marsha the Moose uh, somehow. There's not actually that much to talk about with the Power of Vita competition, but... Uh, jo- uh, other than the worst nicknames I've ever heard, Dainty, Johnny, and Kevy Webby, can we just not allow that into the nickname canon for uh, House Guest and Big Brother? <laughs> that has I been agree. vetoed. Despite the fact that they made quite a big deal of the Predator Rocks, the only one we saw was Johnny getting uh, a rock, which was a bear. Was anyone else actually searching for the rocks, or were they just... Deb Eaton was. ...going for the... Uh, rocks! Survivor Australia reference, um, but... Uh, I just thought the, that idea was very uh, first or second grader type of saying, no, if you find a predator in the water, everyone has to freeze for one minute. Also, Kevin froze in the weirdest position possible. He sort of deliberately jumped up and froze like that for a minute. What is it, the Matrix? Of all the, all the positions to freeze in, it was just a weird one for him to choose. Or in Bobby's I... case, he couldn't freeze, he was shivering for a minute straight. That was some of the most disturbing television I've seen in a while, with just Bobby not being able to move as he's just shivering it, just shivering violently, pretty much. Yeah, Bobby was just frozen. It's even colder than the Great Lakes. If somebody's saying it's colder than surfing in the Great Lakes, that means it's pretty damn cold. Yeah, Bobby was just frozen. No pun, no pun intended. Oh my god, I said a <laughs> damn pun. I, that was not intended. I Go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. You guys gotta shut your damn mouths. I think even the dog from 101 Dalmatians uh, would have probably been complaining about everything that was frozen, just like uh, Johnny did during this competition. My toes are frozen, my head is frozen, my arms... My everything is frozen. Uh, so Johnny is the first to get all his logs, and he's really happy when he finds out there's water spring in his face. And Jordan really uh, wanting to imitate Jeff Probst during the commentary for this competition. Previously on Power of Veto. Oi. You get my... You, I, even after that, you get my misgivings of Johnny, right? Oh, not Jordan, right? I mean, I I see him as a TV character, so I don't hate him that much at the moment until he can annoy me. That's even worse that you're trying to play a TV character and be brother. That's like... 
No, I don't. I don't watch Big Brother to see people people playing characters. I watch Big Brother to see people see real strung up people being crazy. Like I don't like you know, as for a Big Brother UK reference, I don't like Dexter Co or or um. I just hate Dexter. That's the thing. De- Dexter types of people playing characters. So what you're telling me is you like good TV. I recognise that reference. Yes, I'm proud of you. So um, so yeah, Kevin won the power of veto. Chomping block. Chomping block. Oh, man. That's hilarious. What are they going to do next? I do like the fact that they put in a little bit of a pun in there just to confuse people. <laughs> and it works as well. That's the even funnier thing. Yeah, little things to throw people off is always good. Kevin dismantles his entire puzzle. It's like Becky and Sundra trying to make fire. Everything's all dismantled as they try to figure out how they even solve it in the first place. And Sundra has run out of matches. Good old Survivor Cook Islands. That was an intentional hilarity as well. Then we have a Big Brother UK classic alternative task. In the line yourselves up, one person's in the diary room and has to guess what it is. And right after that, Zach uh, immediately wants to nominate somebody that starts with the letter S, and I think we pretty much know what he's trying to suggest. And then uh, I think Cindy talks about thinking that... Uh, if her manipulations have worked, then she has uh, uh, Bobby by the testicles, I believe. And, yeah, then we get this task where we get to uh, feature our favorite character, uh, Johnny, uh, once again. I've, um, I know I've, I know I said a lot of, like, not, you know, we're not very kind on Johnny because he's very annoying. But, like, after these last episodes, it's sort of like, it's not that bad anymore because at least he's only being slapped like kind of really annoying instead of like going the you know the Greg route or the Kevin route or the Jordan route of being actively awful like I, I, I see he's earnest he's, he's earnest he likes playing the game and he likes screaming in his diary room which you know bleh. but he's as long as you know the story doesn't end up with him giving Kevin the win somehow I, I'm kind of all right with Johnny compared to the other guys, but like compared to who the other guys are in the house so, so far, it's not really much of a compliment. He'll try to vote for uh, Kevin to uh, win, but then he'll uh, accidentally vote for uh, Neha in the final two. I mean, I must say that the official team Johnny did favorite one of my tweets last week. I think it was being slightly sarcastic about him as well. Which does seem to be happening this week a lot. They followed me after. They followed me after I um after I was trashing him a lot while watching the premiere. Yeah, it's Team Johnny favoriting my tweet when I said, "Gonna get my inner Canadian on already and apologize for this forthcoming BB Cam Three recap accents galore." So yeah, the amazing alternative task that has happened a couple of times in the UK version, uh, where house guests must line themselves up from least to most in a particular car- category. Uh, Johnny's in the diary room trying to guess what the categories are. If he gets three right, they win a pool party. Woo! So the first one was intelligence. And uh, he did choose correctly from intelligence, friendliness, and competitiveness when shown Jordan, Sarah, Johnny, Kevin, Cindy, Nea, uh, Zach, Brittany, Bruno, Ashley, Bobby, Greg, Willow, Pilar, and Godfrey. And we should note that Godfrey insisted insisted that he was the least intelligent. Oh, Godfrey is becoming such a target, and it's hilarious. Godfrey doesn't realise that everyone sees through his stupid acts. And our favourite mm. one, the hygiene question. Yeah, the hygiene one was the the only one where I didn't actually have the list written down originally. I had to actually go back and watch it afterwards. All that matters is Sarah was at the end, which is hilarious. I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, Sarah's just like, I don't actually wash my hair at all. 
ever. I don't like to shower. If it was moral hygiene, she would be high. Yeah, it's Greg with the G, guys. Or Greg with the sunglasses. <laughs> yes, we can talk about that, because I did laugh a lot. I was like, what, the actual... We'll get to the best gla- uh, Greg's glasses scene uh, fairly soon here. So yeah, it was Hygiene second, and it was Nea as number one, and Sarah as number 15. And he also chose correctly from Hygienic Selfishness and Fan Favourites. And the final one was um, Jordan as number one, and Greg as number 15, um, which was likelihood of winning Big Brother. And Godfrey's the least likely. No, it was um, Greg who was the least likely. Oh. Godfrey was nine. I like that yeah. Greg was begged... Uh, uh... Here as well with Johnny saying, oh, if this was selfishness, uh, Greg would be by far number one. And it's definitely not, a, or he said, uh, what was it with it? It might be intelligence because uh, Greg's not too high up on the list there. Just like everything's compared to Greg's worst qualities possible to do process here's of the, elimination. Here's the Mason-Dixon line. With Dixon probably taking on a whole new meaning there. Also, one uh, one quote from the POV competition that I forgot to mention. Jordan saying, it may be this competition, but Willow is giving me wood in this beaver costume. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> that uh, was the worst pun. Oh, and what I said about actively repulsive? Wasn't Greg who said it? Some we can somehow we'll somehow blame Greg for it, even though he had nothing to do with that quote. Greg can be our um, our sort of punching bag this season. <laughs> so yeah, anything bad that happens in the season is actively Greg's fault. Always blame the ginger ninja. Exactly. Bl- blame the poor man's Monty. I think you'll find. Yes, the poor man's John Montgomery. A worthy title for him. Yeah, to- talking of which, that's going to be uh, filming fairly soon. Don't remind me. I didn't get on season three. Yeah, but now you have experience of auditioning, kind of. So, Jordan also threw Bruno under the bus about his knowledge of the game, which definitely isn't going to come back. And during the pool party, everyone gets to play Spin the Bottle. Yay! So many germs being spread around. Okay, Sheldon. So it started off with uh, Johnny and Zach, then Ashley and Bobby... Then Johnny. You actually uh, wrote down each makeup combination. Oh, damn right I did. I told, I told you guys I was going to write everything down this week. <laughs> I, I pretty much stopped at Bobby's uh, excessive tongue action with somebody he's only known for nine days. I'm thinking, well, this is um nine days, really? And then, obviously, Johnny and Kevin, which has blatantly happened before. Uh, then Ashley and Zach, because we got the hilarious quote afterwards of, let's say tonight was first down, but I don't want to say there's not a touchdown in our future. Uh, Ash- Ashley and they are Pil- Pilar and Willow, Brittany and Bobby, and then Cindy and Zach. Oddly enough, that's already uh, Zach's uh, second football pun of the week, because in the voiceover segment, I think uh, they referred to Zach as throwing the Hail Mary pass, and then in the upcoming, in the Following episode for the eviction here, uh, Arissa says that uh, I think Cindy goes for a Hail Mary pass. So, for some reason, Zach is inspiring Hail Mary passes and touchdown references as if he is uh, Marcus from The Amazing Race 19. Yeah, I mean, he's no moniker in Chiray, is he? So Yeah, he's not married to a professional athlete or, or uh, receiving the luxuries of being married to a professional athlete. If you're off the shield, he's a main cyber bully. Also, hilariously, um, Zach wasn't the last person that Cindy kissed this week. No. In an effort to um, to stay in the game. Which does not happen until next episode. So uh... Uh, so let's end the second episode with the Power of Vita uh, ceremony. Sorry. Uh, and Kevin obviously vetoes himself. Also, another sort of 
developed this season. Why are the vetoed people allowed to recommend who gets nominated? I mean, they normally have a speech, but Kevin was actively allowed to say, seriously, Bobby, nominate her. She's a bitch. Fraction pet. Yeah, pretty much. So obviously Cindy gets nominated because, you know, it's Cindy. The only main main criticism I have for Cindy with this whole thing is that she pretty much pitched the same deal that Terry Dietz did in Survivor XL Island, where she went up to Bobby and said, I can offer you two weeks of safety, which is not a very, which in Big Brother is about two or three eliminations. And this is the guy who is already HOH and has a chop shop all set up. I actually think she, didn't she offer him two rounds of safety? It wasn't two weeks. I thought she said weeks. No, I'm I'm pretty sure she said uh, rounds because that actually actually meant that she only really offered him a week of safety. Well, then he can just come back courtesy of KFC if she screws him over in the third round. Yeah, here's the thing: they keep hyping up that it's a competition, and you know Cindy's probably going to be the favorite to come back, unless someone like Bobby actually gets booted. <sighs> I'm glad that they're actually choosing to a pre-juror gets to come back because from the looks of this boot order, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone satisfactory is going to get booted pre-jury. Mm, I'm not sure about that. It all depends on how Kevin's done. The feeds are are now off officially, and um, I do believe the house now knows that it's an instant eviction. Kevin has not nominated yet that we know of. No, he he would have he would have nominated the night he got it. No, he's not. I was looking at the um, at the sort of live feed reports before we came on. And, um, yeah, the last full update is OMG, Kev came out, stood under the BB TV screen and said nothing. Arissa came on the screen and announced it's an instant eviction and the feed's cut. When was this? Um, 2.52pm, Big Brother time yesterday. So that was about 12 hours ago. Yeah, about 12 hours ago. And the feeds are now offline until uh, Sunday night's episode. So the day, the day after, basically. Yeah, Kev- Kevin definitely hasn't nominated, or hadn't nominated when the feeds were still up. Speaking of ceremonies with Kevin, uh, let's talk about Kevin... Uh... Pretty much uh, down-spiraling his uh, social game here with the power of veto ceremony and uh, pretty much actively campaigning and saying, hey, I'm using the power of veto on myself. I hate these women. How about you nominate one my least favorite? So he just lost favor with half of the house right there. Not a smart move. That's what I said with the uh, why is he allowed to recommend what happens? Because he really didn't use that speech for a force of good. No. <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, Cindy gets put up for a nomination here, and although Cindy is nominated, we find out one last vital piece of information for the episode, which is that Cindy and Godfrey are wearing matching purple shirts. Yes, they are. And also, as much grief as I um, give them for the nomination board being ridiculous, that Vita box is very, very pretty. From a, from a production standpoint, it is quite a pretty um, pretty item, the Vita box this time. Yeah. So the third episode, um, we didn't actually see a lot in that episode apart from Cindy scrambling. And Brittany really not. Brittany being like, yeah, it'd be right. I'd like Cindy to dig her own grave. And Cindy enjoying what? Bobby's abs. And Cindy enjoying Jordan's face. Ah, oh, right. Uh, girl, love yourself. <laughs> and I think that's a div- that would be if the divinals were in the house, uh, Ben. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And also, Zach, I'm not enjoying Jordan's face whenever he uh, wants to get with Ashley. That is so Jack much like the scene from the league with, because uh, with the this episode here, uh, Jordan tells Zach to picture Jordan's face whenever Zach is tempted to make out with Ashley. And that strategy pretty much... Uh, not Jordan's face, Jordan's pasty face, glasses and beard. Yes. Triple threat, triple threat combination to uh, ruin anybody's uh, uh, sparks. But yeah, it reminds me a lot of the league where, uh, with the, what was that one episode? It's with uh, Andre where he's the plastic surgeon and uh, Pete dates the one of his patients and then Pete just ends up picturing Andre Nozick who is not the most attractive person in the cast and it just completely cripples that whole relationship there. So it's very... Uh, very uh, much uh, like the comedy from the league. Kevin also becomes snuggle buddies with Pillar and ends up making out with him. Okay, we have to give Johnny credit for one more thing. He is the first person to pronounce Peely's name correctly. Everyone else, including Arissa, still calls her Pilar. Even the voiceover artist does not care enough and calls her Pilar as well. But Johnny cares. Johnny cares, folks. And he does call her Peely. Didn't they spell it P-I-L-I in one of the uh, subtitles as well? I think. I think it might have been in this scene, actually. I think you're confusing that with uh, Big Brother Brazil, where they had a contest named, uh, or a contestant named uh, Pele. Pele went into uh, the Big Brother Brazil house? Yeah. <laughs> Soccer ball and all. And Big Brother also played an April Fool's joke on the house. Which I was so hoping wasn't actually an April Fool's joke. I was hoping that it was randomly revealed that Cindy actually actually went around in her rampage about being voted down the smash by the cameras. Logan, it wasn't your April Fool's joke, remember? Despite the fact that it was on your blog. It was all me. and the ringleader. Yes. You came up with the Big Brother April Fool's joke, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You snuck you porn, flew over from phone. Manchester, took the food from the pantry, uh, you know, tightened up all the water faucets to make sure no water came out and shut it all down. So, uh, yeah, we have Michael to thank for that. Yeah, I mean, I, despite the fact that I never actually post the April Fool's joke, I'm the one who's responsible for them, for everything. Well, you did post the you, you did post a fake podcast. That was not fake, Ben. How very day. Also, Logan posted the uh, link on the group. So, you know, not my fault, kind of. And Logan wrote all the inappropriate jokes for it. Sorry, inappropriate, definitely tasks that went on air. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, does that mean that Johnny is an April Fool if uh, his birthday is April 1st? Yes. I haven't heard of that. At least his birthday's on the legitimate New Year's. At least his birthday is on February 29th. And also, we can now go into our favourite subject, which is how ridiculous Greg looked at the eviction. Wasn't he like this throughout the whole April Fool's thing? Yes. (laughs) With yelling at Cindy, accusing her of, of tampering with the camera, and he's wearing his most ridiculous pair of glasses. If I was Cindy, I would start laughing and saying, I know all of this hatred is being directed towards me, but it's tough to take you seriously with those glasses. Just take them off I would and actually, I'll start crying. <laughs> with someone like Craig, I would actually just like, I would actually like laugh and not explain it because you're just like, you know, laughing at someone who's so angry, it actually makes him angrier. So, um, <laughs> yeah. BC Fury. I, th- I think he looks more ridiculous at the eviction because he was wearing a shirt then as well. So it's just kind of... Smart casual, oh my god, look at my face. So, should we get to the eviction? And No, we got one more ridiculous scene before we even get to the eviction. Are you serious? It's Zach with the plush dog, Rocky. Oh, yeah, I ignored that. 
Uh, it took me so off guard with that confessional from the dog. (laughs) It's just, uh, I can't, I can't deal with the show's attempt at forcing another showman through. Like, Zach and Ashley. No, Zach, uh, uh, Logan. (laughs) I meant like, Zach and Ashley is just like the two, two of the most boring people in the house. It's not like John and Noda were the actually exciting people, or Julian and Emmett were one of them actually, you know, sort of, re- sort of kind of resembles Sandra Bullock, and the other sort of like, you know, has temper tantrum every time he gets caught. Zach's boring, Ashley's boring, and ugh, not good. They're both from the prairies, I should point out. So I believe they're pretty much the only two uh, prairie contestants. So uh, just a note that uh, all Big Brother Canada contestants from the prairies are, in fact, boring. Except Adele. So the vote, it's 12 nothing to Cindy. There's not even any sort of intrigue in it. Unlike, uh, unlike Brittany, uh, Cindy was unable to uh, suck everyone's nectar, as uh, as uh, per uh, Sarah's description of Brittany. Sarah said that uh, Brittany sucks everyone's nectar and that she has to step up her game. I can't believe they actually gave Rocky the dog an actual city that, that the dog is from. Gander, Newfoundland. I, I still can't get the... I don't get that joke. It's probably um, where it was sent from. It's probably where Bo- part of Bobby's family's from or something. Anyway, Cindy's gone. Yeah, Cindy's are dearly departed, but probably coming back. Because you know that'll probably be production's choice if they get a, a chance to choose. Because production definitely doesn't choose anything on Big Brother. So the HOH competition, as we mentioned, the voice of Marshall the Moose introduced a short video for them to all pay attention to. I skipped through that because I skipped through that because it was just so cringeworthy. It was our traditional um, true or false game. If you get it, if you get it right, you stay in and pick the next two people. If you get it wrong, your opponent stays in and you go home. You go out. If nobody buzzes in, then uh, you both go out unless you're the final two. I don't like. I don't like. I don't really like having games where you can gang up, gang up on other people so early in the show. Like I wouldn't have minded if it was like. Um, the you know the one where everyone just stands in that stands in that booth and shows true or false and they get the you know eliminated based on that. But this one is like it's too easy getting up getting up on people, especially in a especially in a series where there's like a clear a clearly de- a clearly defined majority of people and you know a group of people that a lot of a group of people clearly under threat. You don't you don't want to actually want to see that. Well, I don't want to say that. Yeah, I mean at the final fourteen, it's not really great to see. Uh, but it was Godfrey versus Peely. As our first matchup, obviously Godfrey won and picked Johnny versus Naya, which Naya won. Basically, basically Godfrey and Naya were ganging up on each other. Why? Why did they have to do this to me? My two favorites going into the season can't get along. Why can't they get along? My favorite thing about this is Godfrey only actually won one of his three rounds. The other, the second, second and third victory for him were the other two people buzzing in and getting it wrong. Well, Peely didn't even have her eyes open when watching story time, so it's it's pretty tough to stick around in the competition when uh, you can't even see the, what what the challenge is being based off of. Then Godfrey versus Greg, Godfrey won by default. Uh, then it was Sarah versus Naya, which broke most people's hearts actually. Uh, but Naya won. That's, that's that's my that's my main argument for like not having not having competitions where you can gang up on on people. Like the majority, the majority rules one or this one, it's like it's way it's too e- it's too easy for that for to take out the the minority people. 
And, it's, and, and unlike, you know, in Survivor with the coconut shop thing, it doesn't actually, like, define... It doesn't actually, like, show off who the majority can be. And then we had Godfrey winning by default against Bruno, and Naya beating Willow, and then Ashley toppling Godfrey. Kevin and Jordan, Kevin winning. Naya and Ashley with Ashley winning. Kevin and Zach, Kevin wins. Ashley and Brittany, Ashley wins. And then Kevin beating Ashley by default. Which you know is the best way for anyone to win uh, to win NHOH is purely by default because the other person got it wrong and it, an instant eviction, yay! That's the end of the week. We missed one ridiculous scene though: the pickup slash dating scene where we find out wonderful qualities about certain house guests, <sighs> especially Godfrey's peekaboo uh, pickup, which may be one of the most ridiculous techniques I've seen. Where he just sneaks up on Neha and does the weirdest sequence of crouching slash dance moves I've seen. Wasn't that also let's make a fun of Greg scene? And yes, that's what I was getting to. It is probably the peak, or not not so much the peak, the exact opposite. It is the trough for uh, Greg here, where pretty much he loses all favoritism amongst any probably any female viewer out there, I would say. With his uh, infamous, I will treat, <laughs> I will treat a woman golden if uh, she loses the attitude. I'll buy her a drink and cook her food and a bunch of other uh, positive aspects and treat her like a human being. And if she doesn't lose the attitude, I'm just gonna sleep with her. I it's, award you no points for that one, Greg. <laughs> and may have God have mercy on your soul. Yes, Billy Madison. Thank you. Ben is catching on to. Uh, my usual uh, cycle of uh, jokes here. The exact quote, and I wrote it down, was, if I like them, I'll cook for them. If I don't like them, I just want to sleep with them. Were they shown, were they shown like, uh, Rod- Boston Rodney's best hit since the quest was up there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was just a pretty good scene. I mean, there wasn't much for me to write down apart from that ridiculous quote from him. So what happens if Greg doesn't want to cook that night? Does he just intentionally seek women that have an attitude? He probably just goes around thinking, do you look easy? You probably are. So, do we have any predictions for Kevin's instant eviction reign? Depends. I think another female will go. It depends if he can, you know, back up his bark with bite. Because, like, he goes on about how he wants to take you know, how a good player is, has the women in his pocket. Like, if he actually has the women in his pocket, like he so claims, so very frequently claims he will, then, you know, he's not going to target one of them because, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a, ugh, I hate myself for using this because it goes against every feminist brain in my body, but like, quote, useful tool, unquote. So, ugh. But if he, if he wants to actually go after someone who's a big threat, well, he knows if it's an instant eviction, that they're not going to be able to save themselves with the veto. So that's the t- that's the point where you take out like Bobby and I don't know Zach or someone. Yeah, given that the cast definitely know before Kevin makes his nominations that it's an instant eviction. I suspect it won't be a woman going home this time. But Jordan's going to be in his ear though, right? So Jordan's probably going to say, "Don't put up anybody from the chop shop." I would assume. So that's what makes me think that it's not going to be anybody from Chop Shop, and it's not going to be Johnny Jordan. or Johnny's friend Sarah. So that's what jo- I'm pretty sure Naya is probably going to be eliminated this week. Jordan's not in the Chop Shop, though, isn't he? Is, he isn't because like he's just like he's sort of tangentially related to, to the Chop Shop. He's, he's aligned with one of the people Who's in that? the Chop Shop. 
Yes, like, it's not. That. It's it's not. It's not really in Jordan's best interest to like see the chop shop hole, because that that's just more more people he has to take out. Jordan is. If Jordan's in his ear, Zach will be safe, but no one else in the chop shop will because Jordan obviously does not want Zach to even have the option to go with the chop shop. So it's actually in Jordan's best interest to get rid of as much of the chop shop as possible without actually getting any blood on his hands. Because Kevin is responsible... I'm deliberately using that phrase because I know it makes you laugh. Um, But yeah, Kevin has picked a terrible HOH to win because the instant evictions don't usually end very well in terms of causing trouble. And this is a very, very early one as well. If he does go after an important player, as I'm assuming he went into the vault to do his dominations, found a card there and said, oh, by the way, it's an instant eviction. So there's no deliberation. You have to nominate two people. You've got a minute. Then he might, he probably won't have anyone else in his ear unless there is a explicit target. The only two people who are really safe is Johnny and Pilar, I would say. And Jordan mm. and Sarah might Sarah might be. I think Kevin, like I think he sees himself as some sort of um, player who like thinks over stuff. And even with that, even if he's only given like a minute to do so, he might consider the ramifications of what would happen if he nominated certain people. I think Neha is going to be a target because she was so blatantly targeted by every by a lot of people during the HOS competition. It doesn't look good for her because um, I'm pretty sad about that because she's, she's one of her, she's one of my favorites. But I think, I think, um, off the top of my head, I think Sarah's safe, Johnny's safe, Peely's safe, Kevin won't nominate Jordan. And that's, 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 that's what, that's what my prediction really. I think it's probably going to be like, uh, either Neha and someone else, someone who's not going to go, or Bobby and another member of the chop shop. Let's be honest though, if Sarah is, has any influence over him, as, you know, they seem to get on, Neha could be safe because Sarah and Neha are obviously besties. He's probably not going to put up Britney because he wouldn't waste an instant eviction on Britney. So I suspect the four targets, or the four people who could go up, is Godfrey, Greg, uh, Bruno, and Bobby. I reckon one of those four will be leaving the house after the instant eviction. I think Neha would be at the top of the list, even above those four, in my opinion. But I think, and then the other four, I think, would be the ones behind Neha in that list, because... Didn't, did Kevin put up Neha to uh, compete during the HOH competition when he won a round? Oh, yes, he did, actually. It was Neha versus Ashley. So I think Neha's going up on the block and probably being evicted. I'm just, I'm not 100% sure that Kevin would be that stupid to put her up, though. I think he would probably try and work with her. Wasn't she the one of the people in the conversation, though, that Kevin overheard it was... Cindy, Neha, and... Sarah. <laughs> Sarah? Yeah. But Willow, Sarah's Willow too close to too. Kevin. Yeah, I mean, I am I just don't think that he'd use it to get rid of Neha. I think he'd probably go for a bigger target. Someone who's actually going to rival him in more physical competitions when he actually wants to win them. See, I would... At this point in time, if if what we're saying does come true, I would actually like Kevin because no matter what, no matter how, how good a player you are, um, my basis of how I like you as a character on Big Brother is, is usually mostly dependent on the people around you. Like, if you surround yourself with people that are not that favourable, like, say, how Sabrina su- surrounded herself with the entire first fight alliance, well, then I'm probably not going to like you in that incarnation. But if Kevin was to, say, like, form, form, a, form a, fi- a five-person alliance with Neha, Brittany, Sarah, himself, and Johnny, 
I would like him because of of people involved in that. But as as is where he is right now, at his current incarnation in the house, he is like he boasts about himself on his own, and his his only like alliance, quote unquote, is the fortress with Jordan, who is who is obviously to us at least, obviously not have any intention on following through with that. If Kevin is the player that he says he is. What on earth would he be doing if he kept all the big guys in to compete against if he actually wants to win? I know you'll hate this argument, but if he wants to win all the physical competitions, he's going to want to go up against, like, Sarah and Nea. Depends on the competition, really, because, like, um, there are physical competitions where a big frame like Bobby or or Gray can work against you, but... Stuff like the... um... Stuff like the one that John won last year with the going uh, with the rope through the pit and having to untangle yourself. That sort of a competition, he's going to be able to win if he wants to, and he has to leave. the The way to play an instant eviction is to leave your options open as much as is physically possible. But it can go the other really worse way as well because the thing that happened in a lot of Big Brother sixteen and what happens at a lot of the start of seasons is someone just like targets two people that aren't going to cause any waves. So he's probably going to target, like, Brittany and, I don't know, some other girl. Neha. Brittany, like, Brittany and, uh, Brittany and Neha or, or Brittany and Sarah or just or one of the girls because um, it won't cause any waves. And that's usually, that's usually the status quo, and not upsetting status quo is usually the part of the course for the, the start of the season. And it would be unfortunate if that were to happen, but... I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if it does. It would be really unfortunate because, uh, you know, Big Brother Canada seasons are notorious for starting off pretty badly. But if if he can if he can jumpstart the season towards getting better this early, I'm I'll be I'll be pro Kevin basically. Yeah, I mean, I I just I don't see how someone like Kevin who keeps saying I'm going to be the best player you've ever seen will not take the opportunity. Especially when he walks into the vault and sees, oh, it's an instant eviction. He'll be going in to the vault thinking, right, I need to nominate these two people with this backdoor option. His plan will probably change, and he'll be like, what do I do? I suspect. I mean, obviously, there are no spoilers for this week so far, because it's an instant eviction, there'll be no audience, so no one's going to spoil that. And all we know is, up until yesterday afternoon, the feeds were... Well, I've not looked. I've not scrolled down deliberately to see who his targets are, but they knew it was an instant eviction after Kevin walked out of the ball. That, that's all we know. Anything else? Should I think Ray probably people? had the worst uh, diary room vote to cast ever. I think he's the first person to refer to Ursa Cox as "Hey, see what it do" before casting a vote. It's like, wow, hey, Greg, um, how about? Oh. Um, not saying that as you, before you cast your vote. One point I forgot to mention with Cindy's eviction. Uh, did you notice on the way out uh, what she said to Greg? Yes, she said, I re- I'm not going to hug you, Greg, but I'm going to hug the other 14 people here. I'm going to hug the couple of the camera operators. I'm going to hug the producers. I'm going to hug Rock- Rocky the dog. But I'm not going to hug you, Greg, because um, eh, you're gross. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Greg, I'm not going to hug you. <laughs> Yeah, no pat on the butt, uh, baseball uh, style with uh, Greg there. Even if Greg goes off, I don't think he's going to get evicted purely because everyone doesn't like Greg, I suspect. So he's going to be the sort of person who gets targeted quite late in the game, I suspect. <laughs> I think he'll be an Andrew. A few rounds will go by, but I think he's going to go 
sooner rather than later. We should we should have like a winner pick. Who do we think is going to win? Um, I'd like Nea to win, but I don't think she will. I want Godfrey, but I or Nea, but I think it's going to be Willow. Yeah, I think um, I'd like it to be Nea. I'd like to be a member of the Three Girl Alliance, but I think it's going to be Willow. So on that bombshell, thank you very much for listening to us. We'll be back next week for a double eviction recap episode of Yattengast. If you want to follow any of us on Twitter, you can do so at the handles posted in the description below. You can email us as well at yattengast at gmail.com. Also, you can join the three of us to recap the upcoming episode of Amazing Race 26 on Sunday. See you next week.